He scopes out the present, shakes out the past, and keeps an eye out on the future. This is the Racing with Bruno podcast. Now, from Lexington, Kentucky, here's Bruno DiGiulio. And welcome. This is the Belmont Stakes Week podcast. And I've got a really interesting uh, ensemble of of guests. Uh, I will talk a little bit about the Belmont. We'll talk a little bit about what we're doing on the Zoom, how you can get on the Zoom and what you get with it. Um, and you'll hear actually one of my guests talk about it too. And my guest is Tom Leach of the, the Voice of Kentucky Basketball and Kentucky Football. Uh, I've had the, the, I've been fortunate to uh, get to know him and spend some time with him and, and go to some practices and and uh, and we're going to talk to Tom shortly. Uh, I think he's out on the court somewhere uh, right now. But and also we get to talk to Amy Kearns, who's going to give us our mantra of the day. Handicappers need to remind themselves daily certain things. And she's got the perfect Belmont week mentality for horse players. So stay tuned for that. So let's talk a little bit about Belmont. Uh, our Belmont issue will be out on Friday. Friday night, we will have our Zoom, Breed- uh, our Breeders' Cup, our Belmont Park Stakes Zoom, where we go over the card. We're going to talk a little bit about Churchill as well, who we've been doing very, very well and on a roll, especially with two-year-olds. And we're going to be talking Belmont on our Zoom. And the price is $49.95. You can go to racingwithbruno.com and sign up. You also get the Salmocast edition for Saturday, so you get all the tracks. But we have really developed this Zoom into something kind of special. Um, a lot, we have the gold members, the people that have signed up uh, for the year uh, on, our, on our Zoom packages. Uh, and um, they, they, I, I'll tell you, all of them will tell you they've improved as handicappers. Because not only do we talk about the, the nuts and bolts of handicapping, but I also like to talk the mentality of handicapping. I think handicappers are very insecure and uh, uh, insecure in, in, uh, by nature. And, and you have to get yourself over that. And uh, one of part of it that I love the conversation with Amy, we do talk a little bit about that. But I, I, if you always, if you've known me or you've heard me on these podcasts, um, I've always been, and people say, oh, you're very opinionated. And, you know, I don't think highly on myself at all. I think confidently of myself. I, I am confident in my own skin and my own genes and my own shoes. Uh, and, and I really believe in what I'm doing uh, with the horses. And you can tell that confidence. You need to develop that confidence when you're looking at horses because that'll make you not get off winners and bet on losers. There's going to be so many people on Belmont Stakes Day. They're going to look at those short fields and they're going to complain that they can't come up with a price. And by the and they were going to pick a bunch of horses that are not worth a nickel to bet on, and just to go for a price. You have to be confident in your handicapping, and you have to back it up. If the price is too short for you, you back out of the race. You don't go play another horse. Little things like that. Now in the Belmont Stakes, and you'll hear Tom and I talk about it. We talk about Nest. We talk about um, uh, her her position in the race, but. During the Zoom, you'll get to hear me talk about Rich Strike. You're talking to hear about talking about We the People, Mo Donegal. 
and some of the best bets on that card. The best bet may not be in the Belmont, but it may be in the other card, in the other races that makes that card worthwhile playing. So let's start off and let's talk to Tom Leach. Let's go find Tom. And let me go find my friend Tom Leach. I got to meet him a while back. He's uh, the voice of the Kentucky Wildcats. I love listening to him um, call a game and uh, great to call him a friend. And let's see if he's out there. Tom, are you out there? Are you dribbling somewhere? Hello, Bruno. Uh, yeah, not uh, not dribbling. I'm doing more handicapping, trying to figure out the Belmont Stakes. But uh, there will be plenty of time for dribbling here soon. Yeah, exactly. Tell us, uh, you know, for people that may not know you outside of Kentucky, tell everybody knows you, but I'm just trying to throw somebody out there in a cave. Um, uh, but tell us a little bit about what you do for Kentucky, how long you've been doing it, and it's got to be so much fun. Oh, it's a blast. It's the, uh, I'm very blessed to have the job I wanted when I was probably in middle school. Uh, I uh, loved playing sports and uh, realized I wasn't going to be a Major League Baseball player like I wanted, and so uh, how could I stay involved in sports? And I always tell uh, when I've talked to like student groups or whatever that I, ESPN started when I was a senior in high school. So as I was growing up in the 70s, you listened to more sports than you watched. And uh, I'd listen to, in this part of the world, a lot of the, uh, all, all the Wildcat games, a lot of Cincinnati Reds games. And so I uh, fell in love with the idea of uh, doing play-by-play and didn't really realize how narrow the target was I was uh, firing at, but fortunately was able to get the gig. And so I am um, starting the 25th year with Kentucky, doing Kentucky football games, and uh, this will be the 21st year of doing Kentucky basketball, men's basketball games. That's awesome. I, I You know what? I One day I did not realize you called the football games, and I'm like, that voice sounds so familiar, you know? And I look, oh, it's my friend Tom. <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah. And, uh, now, let's talk a little Kentucky, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, the football team has looked really, really well, uh, really, really good the last couple of years. You've got a good young quarterback uh, that that's actually being talked about in you know in the NFL for next year. Well, how do you see Kentucky football this year? Uh, I think they've probably is in, in as good a position at quarterback as they've been probably since uh, Tim Couch's second year when he had one year under his belt as the starter and then. Had a, a big second year, and I think Levis is Will Levis is poised to have that kind of year. And they've got a couple of question marks that they've got to solidify. Their two offensive tackles went to the NFL, so uh, those are important pieces when you're going to lean heavily on a on a quarterback to to throw the ball more than Kentucky typically has. Um, and then they've got uh, they lost their top wide receiver to the NFL. Uh, kid from Kentucky, uh, got drafted by the from New Frankfurt, my, my city, yeah, from Frankfurt, exactly. Wandale Robinson, yeah. and so they uh, they've got a lot of prospects there. I think they'll be fine, but much like with a with a racehorse, you've got to actually see it to be a hundred percent convinced. And um, so I think I think they're probably going to be uh, better than uh, they, they've been offensively, uh, defensively. They've been uh, solid under their coordinator for several years here. Came in from the NFL, so if they can just just be solid. From the L.A. Rams, right? Uh, actually, the, LA the, Rams, yeah, right. the coordinator came in, offensive coordinator came in for the Rams last season. Uh, but uh, Brad White came in from the Colts on defense. But oh wow, uh, okay. They uh, Stoops has kind of gone that NFL route with his coordinators, and it's worked well for him. So I, I think they're going to be 
Uh, I think they're going to be really good on offense, and then I think they'll be solid on defense, and how far they can get above the solid level um, then probably will determine just uh, how good they can be. But it's been a nice run. And, and speaking of Will Levis, uh, he has become a big fan of, of thoroughbred racing. When he uh, came awesome. on his visit to Kentucky to check out the U.K. campus as a transfer from Penn State, he and his family uh, were taken to Keeneland as part of the, the, the experience, and Will uh, Kenny McPeak happened to be at his barn, and they uh, met Kenny. And Will was fascinated by the horses and what Kenny did. And so he called him the next day and said, could I come hang out with you one day? And he did. And so Will has become uh, fascinated with uh, the horse racing and the horse business and says he wants to get into it as he uh, goes on in life. And I enjoy watching you when you get a chance to be on the Keeneland show. Um, you know, they do put your picks up there. The one thing I, I wanted to, to really, you know, kind of let people know a little bit about how did you get into the racing part? Uh, you got basketball, you got football. When do you find time? It's, it gets a little crazy, especially in uh, October during the Keeneland meet when we're uh, getting that crossover between football and basketball. But I became a, a racing fan early in life. Um, yeah, I grew up in uh, Paris, which is a small town uh, north of Lexington, about 20 minutes. And uh, Secretariat retired to Claiborne Farm in Paris. And so he was our main tourist attraction. If you had company come in from out of town, you took them to Claiborne to see Secretariat. Um, John Sosby was the longtime farm manager at Secretariat. When people go to the Derby Museum, they hear uh, a voice track uh, as talking about uh, foaling a horse at Claiborne Farm. That's John Sosby. Uh, two of John's kids were two of my classmates from first grade. So I was exposed to uh, racing early through that connection, through uh, another uh, family connection. My uh, parents were good friends with uh, James and James James and Jane Brady, and uh, James Brady was the longtime manager at Elmendorf Farm, so they had a lot of good horses. And then the third connection was in 1970 when I was nine years old. Dust Commander won the Kentucky Derby. He was from Golden Chance Farm in Paris, so that was a big deal in my hometown. And so all of those things got me exposed to racing and became a fan, and so I uh, stayed, a, uh, stayed a fan and, and love handicapping. You're a pretty good handicapper. Now we were looking at the Belmont uh, before we we started doing the show. You and I, and um, uh, we talked about the Belmont. You asked me who I like. What about who you like? I do, I do a video each week for Keeneland's uh, ADW site and uh, making a pick on a big race each week. And I actually picked Nest. I was uh, actually when I interviewed uh, you for my radio show. I, I was kind of smiling when you. Uh, talked up nest because as i looked at the race um i was i didn't have a strong opinion and so uh, when i when i don't have a strong opinion on a race i'm like well i'm, I'm not going to take the favorite if i don't have a strong opinion so let me find a reason to like somebody that's going to pay a little better and i uh, kept coming back to nest because first the the pedigree by curlin out of an ap indy mayor um I like the fact that that they've had this in mind for a while. This wasn't like a, a last-minute decision because of her pedigree. They thought she'd be a good fit for this race, so they had it in mind for a while. So they've planned for it. Pletcher's uh, really good with uh, his horses that he points to the Belmont Stakes. And I uh, then so then I started looking at her more closely. Like she's eight to one on the morning line, so I'm trying to make a case for her as I look at this race. I went back to the Ashland. And 
watched the saw her race where she was about three or four lengths off of it, and it looks like We the People is going to go to the lead, and then there's you know a lot more horses that figure to be further back. So I just figured she's going to be sitting there two or three lengths off the the, the leader. The horse that wins the Belmont more often than not is first or second at the head of the stretch. If you go back and look at the charts, and she just seems to be a horse that's going to be in the right spot with the right pedigree and the right trainer, and she's eight to one. So why not take a shot there? All right, that's that's a great point. I mean, you and I talked about it, and and tell people if they want to listen to your 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 show that that we put together or any of your uh, fabulous podcast and, and 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 even your radio show. Um, tell us where they can they can go listen to it. The radio show airs every day at 8 a.m. through uh, iHeart, uh, the iHeart radio app. You can find it there on WLAP in Lexington or WKJK in Louisville. Um, and you can find the podcast at those those radio station sites or my site, which is TomLeachKY.com. And then um, I do uh, podcasts each week for Keeneland. The mutuals director there is Jim Goodman, and great guy, sharp, good man. handicapper good man. himself. And Jim and I uh, have been friends for a while. We started this a few years ago doing a podcast for each Saturday. It's one, one just the Saturday card, and Jim picks a, a late pick four sequence for us to handicap. Uh, and so we take a look at the late pick four uh, on a big day somewhere every Saturday. And then for a, a big day like the Belmont Stakes Day, we'll, we'll look at uh, more races just beyond the, the late pick four. So that's something I do as part of the uh, work I do for Keeneland. And then I do a, a video pick of the week, whatever the biggest race is of the week. And um, and this is all accessible through uh, if you subscribe to uh, if you're a member of Keeneland's ADW site, you can get access to all of that content that uh, we do each week. They do a lot of neat handicapping things uh, with their uh, uh, ADW site. So that's where you can find that. Uh, I, I do I do enjoy listening uh, to those podcasts, and I would encourage anybody to do that. Now, let's it's go. to listen to those, not, not just mine, but just podcasts in general. Because you and I were talking about this uh, in the interview we did for my radio show, that with your Zoom sessions, I sat in on some of those. Uh, with, with handicapping, everybody's kind of got their, their – ways they look at a race and, you know, maybe the, the things you value most. But, um, you know, none of us are hitting it 100%. So it's it's good to kind of keep an open mind and, uh, you know, if somebody says something you that kind of piques your interest, to maybe investigate it. Maybe you, you, you find that, nah, nothing to that. Or you find, wow, I hadn't really looked at that that way. That actually makes sense. I should include that horse. So um, the more the more data you can pull in, the better, I think. I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think handicappers sometimes can be closed-minded. Yes. Um, you've got to be very, very open-minded. Um, as in one of my um, um, one of my bright handicappers, Amy Kearns, which you have met, um, and she says, you know, every day I have a mantra, and it's don't be an idiot. She will be coming on on after you on this podcast when she actually talks about that particular mantra that she follows and and we've all had we've all we all we've all got stories from the track good beats bad beats do you have a favorite story that you tell newbies or people that you're trying to get in the game about an experience you had at the track well i'll have i'll have one of each i can share with you and um 
I'll, I'll do the bad one first, so we'll finish on an uptick uh, with the two stories. <laughs> the, the bad one uh, was uh, 2019 for the Derby. Um, I uh, am, uh, you know, watching the, the watched all the races, watching the horses train. I, I, you know, I don't know as much about what I'm seeing with the training as watch, but then I try to listen to people whose opinions I do respect, like yours. And you were very high on maximum security, and so. I ended up uh, going to Maximum Security as my key horse uh, for the Derby, and I've I've got an aunt, uh, aunt. I had an aunt and uncle in California, and my uncle was a became a, a big racing fan through uh, us, the two of us being close, and so he would kind of go to the races every Saturday. Like some people go play golf on Saturday, he would go to the track on Saturday, and he and I would put up money for the Derby every year, like maybe fifty or a hundred dollars each. And I would make the swing for the fences bets. And uh, after he passed, his his wife, my aunt, uh, wanted to keep doing it. So uh, my ninety now now ninety three year old aunt and I had put up a hundred dollars each for the Derby. And so I had some pick fours going, but I wanted to play a superfecta because I liked maximum security. So I thought I, I would key that horse on top. And then I looked for a price that I could key in the second, third, and fourth slots to make an affordable superfecta ticket. And I ended up keying king country house at a big price. And so I ended up, when they hit the wire, and I'm, I'm working uh, the race for the horse racing radio network, and so I'm, I'm working, so I, I can't be going crazy. But they hit the wire, and we went to a commercial break. I told their, their, our engineer, I just hit the superfecta with my aunt and probably would have paid $50,000. And <laughs> then, you know, uh, uh, I you know, interviewed uh, some trainers, you know, doing the work. And then, you know, I'm noticing, you know, still haven't put the official up. <laughs> and then we know what happens. And after about – you know, 10 minutes, I knew I was beat. And then the, the next eight or nine minutes that it took them to finally, you know, change the result, I, I knew they were just, you know, sorting out the finish order and all of that. After about the first eight to 10 minutes when they didn't post an official, I knew I was sunk. But that was the toughest beat for sure. Um, the biggest uh, the biggest win and uh, fun, fun and same kind of deal, Breeders' Cup 06, there was a group of us that were working on the, the UK football broadcast that day, and one of our uh, team members said, "Let's let's pool our money and you make bets for the Breeders' Cup for this weekend." Uh, I think there was a basketball game on Thursday night of that week, and so we started getting the group together. And then between from Thursday to Saturday, we ended up with seven people that put up a hundred dollars each, and so we did a bunch of the swing for the fences bets. And when the game ends. Um, you know, I uh, looked up some of the results. Nothing had hit, but we did have one late pick four ticket still alive, and we had hit the first leg. Miesk's approval at like fifty dollars. Uh, well, wow. then we hit the second leg, and then we hit the third leg, and so uh, we finished up the broadcast. And uh, my, our sidelines guy and me and uh, his son were had just finished the coach's interview. We're standing in the uh, the interview room, just the three of us, as they're getting ready to run the classic, and we've got two horses, Bernardini and Invisor, and they roll into the stretch about ten lengths ahead of everybody else. Uh, the drama out of it wow. for us, and then the, <laughs> the highest price of the two won, and I had no idea what to expect on a payoff, and so uh, you know we're I'm thinking, well this might be you know we get you know eighteen twenty thousand dollars out of this to to split up and it comes up and we hit for forty nine thousand to split seven ways nice. so 
That was fun. Do you remember who won the football game? Uh, Kentucky upset Georgia that day and tore down the goalposts. So <laughs> we had to definitely stay focused on the football game. It was uh, a big win for the Wildcats. Uh, but it was kind of funny. I didn't really, you know, I was working the game, so I didn't, uh, you know, pay much attention to the bets. And most of the stuff we had was later in the, the card that day anyway. So I think the first leg of that late pick four had, had just run as the game was ending. That's that's a great story. Kentucky beats Georgia in an upset, and you hit for 49000 Yeah, so there's that's three of day. us just going crazy cheering there in, the, in this room <laughs> with nobody else around. Uh, let, let me go back to one thing before I let you go. Um, Coach, Cal, Coach Calipari is one of my favorite figures in sports. Uh, not only is he Paisano, he's Italian, he's got his Italian citizenship, United States citizenship, uh, but to me, he is the he is almost trainer like in in racing. He is phenomenal every year, bringing in those those. Those, that, those talented young horses, so to speak, and making something out of them. Um, we, you and I have talked about that. Do you see any similarities between a Coach Calipari and, and, and a trainer that does very well with young horses? Absolutely. Uh, I've actually given that story idea to some writers around here. Nobody's tackled it yet. I don't think uh, a lot of the, the guys I've pitched it to are, are big racing guys, so maybe that's that's why they uh, haven't felt comfortable pursuing it. But to me, Cal, Cal the way he has, he basically has to start new every year. Uh, the last couple of years there's been a little more carryover with players as, as kind of the landscape of the game has changed. But for most of the time he's been here, it's just a fresh start every year. So he's trying to – he's got one – and that team's only going to be together for that one year. So he's got to shape – a team and prepare a team to peak in the second or third week of March uh, to, for the NCAA tournament. And that's going to be that team's only chance to win it. Uh, and that's like a trainer with a derby horse has a three-year-old that has going to have one shot in his life to win the Kentucky Derby. And you've got to develop a plan to build toward a peak on the first Saturday in May and hope you don't have any you know injuries or setbacks along the way and try to get the team slash horse to continue to move forward with the occasional setback and just be able to build to that peak at the right time. And so much has to come together uh, because, you know, you only get that one shot with that horse. And kind of the same way with the, the turnover in uh, his teams, he gets kind of one shot with each team. So I've thought there's a lot of similarity between the approach of a, of a horse like a guy like a Pletcher that really points for the Derby every year uh, to how he prepares his horses to be able to peak on the first Saturday of May. And, uh, you know, where Cal is trying to do the same thing with his basketball team. Now the horse trainer does still for, for the, for the owner of the horse does still, you know, if the, the Derby doesn't work out, he does still have two more legs of the triple crown and the Travers. I mean, there's only one Kentucky Derby, but there are still other big targets, but, there's pretty much just one NCAA tournament and nothing else, so it's a little harder on the basketball side in that regard. I got a chance to come to practice a few times with you and join you. The one time that really that I really got to see uh, what Coach Cal Coach Cal has got the memory of an elephant. He yeah, remembers right. something that happened. I I, I want to say it was his first NCAA loss. 
uh, championship loss. Uh, it, it, it has something to do with there wasn't that much time on the clock, and they let the opponent guard go up the go up go up the court with the ball without yeah. pressuring. Uh, do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, roughly. I think it was at UMass. Yeah, when, yeah, exactly. And what happened was he was sitting with one of the, the guards, and he was going through that play, and he said, and he was talking to him, don't turn around and run back. And, and so he took something. He was teaching those kids something that he had learned maybe, was it, 20-something years ago? Yeah, but it stayed – and, he, there. And, and it's like he can call it up like, uh, you know, like a Google search. <laughs> right. And it I really hit me because it's like he was training those kids based on an experience that he had 20 years before that maybe he didn't know that at the time. He didn't realize that at the time where now he's gone, if this happens to me again, this isn't going to happen. For example, in racing. If you've got a two-year-old that you think is very, very good, you, you know, and, and, you, and you did something with that two-year-old that cost them to go off form and you lost three months, you're not going to do that with the next two-year-old. Or maybe down the line you've made it three, that mistake three, four times. You're not going to do that again, and you're going to teach those, three, those two-year-olds right and not put them through what you did with the other ones. And I, that, that caught my eye when he did that. To your point i know he said that he has every practice plan from every you know practice that of his coaching career um and i i wonder you know i would i would bet trainers probably you know have something similar you know notes where they can go back and look at you know well you know this horse is challenging me in this particular way that trying to get the best out of him that reminds me a little bit of this horse i had Fifteen years ago, let me go back and look at my notes and what we did then. Uh, I would imagine there's some or some percentage of trainers, you know, do that kind of thing too. That was an interesting day. I really enjoyed, it and I got to meet Coach Cal, and um, he told me he's Calabrese, and I'm going to ask you a question. You know, Calabrese, Calabrese, we have a saying in Italy, Capatosta. They're stubborn. Is Coach Cal <laughs> stubborn? Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> there you I go. I think he would admit to that too. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you know, one day if he says something to you, you can look at him and say "capatosta," and he'll understand exactly what you're saying. I'll say you that. I'll, I'll have that one in my files. <laughs> Tom Leach, where um, uh, if people want again want to come find you and check out your podcast and check out your radio station, uh, your radio, you're on High Art Radio. iHeartRadio app. app. Uh, for WLAP or WKJK, that's Lexington and Louisville markets, respectively, where the show airs, TomLeachKY.com on the website. You can kind of find more information about the show there. And then uh, the KeenelandSelect.com ADW site for the work I do for Keeneland. Uh, if you uh, wager through KeenelandSelect.com, and you should, then that's where you can find some of that work. Well, I just found... Amy Kearns, because we needed our mantra of the day for handicappers. Um, I think she has, due to some experiences lately, she's come up with the perfect handicappers daily mantra to follow. Amy? Yes, and that that mantra is, don't be an idiot. 
Would you like to explain that? Yeah, well, I say it to myself several times a day as we try to uh, make a living at this game, which is very hard. Um, so we're talking yeah. about wagering. Yes, about do wagering. Do you have a specific... Do you have a specific example you can? I do. Oh, well, you know, I mean, please share. I do. Well, you know, there are, or, you know, if you make your living in this game, there are those days when you just really need to generate some money. And, you know, you go through all your stuff and feeling good about it. And, you know, the other day I had a pick four ticket at Thistle Down. I was feeling Thistle Down. They were super sloppy, which is kind of my jam, and I was all over it, and I had this pick four, like pick four, I had two singles, one big price in the third leg, the first leg, I really liked the four horse, they had a weather delay right before the race, the favorite ended up scratching, so my four horse was getting bet down like absolute crazy. And I'm like, shit, I don't want to single this, like, crazy, you know, crazy favorite on top. So I canceled the ticket right before they went into the gate. And, of course, it pays 600 and, I don't know, 80-something, I don't know, it's almost $700. I also had in that third leg the three horse that I absolutely loved um, that paid a big price. I had that one in the six on my little post-it note. Didn't play the flipping exacta. <laughs> and you know, it's... And what are we saying? My, 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 don't be an idiot. It was a $6 <laughs> pick four ticket. A $6 pick four ticket. And I am, because I'm very careful about my wagers, I am the dumbass who wants to save six flipping dollars. That's a great, and, uh, you know what, how and, many times we've done it as handicappers? We save yeah, $12, you know, yeah, right. and we lose, you know. And it was just, it's just, taken. it's one of those things, because the game is hard. But we love it, and one of the things yeah, you do, that I you do, and, and I, I and I can tell you, I can tell the folks out there. This lady called me the other day. She was playing Esteno, but I can't even pronounce it right. Esteno, Downs. Yes. Any yeah. Tips on and that I, track? I did okay. I did. I liked it. I liked it. You know, I got I beat a deal cool. horse that everyone was playing. You know. <laughs> but you know, it's just there are so many ways that we can get beat. But what you have, what I've learned, is I don't. I, I can handle getting beat, but when I beat myself, yeah, that's what yeah. bothers me. And I was thinking, um, one of my sort of the things I I can generally come back to. I don't know why it hit me, but I was watching the the NBA when Carl Anthony Towns this year, he was doing the three point contest and he ended up the final round, 29 point 
record setting, you know, effort winning the three point contest. And he was saying, he was like, they might beat me, but they're going to have to outshoot me. And that kind of stuck with me because I tend to be kind of a quirky mare who gets brave on the lead. But if I'm if I'm in the back, I'm causing all my own trouble. You know. Can can I can I can I uh, you know second that notion that you're a quirky mare? Yeah. And I'm, you know, that's why I can attest to that. Yes, yes. I love about the game, though, is these are when you play this game, and it's your living. You have to learn a lot about it. It's it's a mind game. I mean, the basic stuff we can all learn. You have your numbers. You have what you see. You have patterns. Those are things that we can all learn, but a lot of times it just it comes down to just a mind game internally with yourself, and I think that that's that's something that you 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 use every day is to not get in your own way and don't be the one don't beat yourself let other i mean if other people beat me. I can live with that, and I will try harder next time. But what I cannot abide is when I beat myself, which is where my you know that is a great point. Comes in. That is a great analogy and a great analysis of handicappers. I have come to understand, and now you have come full circle to understand that good handicappers don't beat themselves. Exactly. Try not to beat themselves. The bad handicappers, which you find on horse racing Twitter, up and down every day, 24-7, are the ones that blame everybody else but themselves. Handicappers have to blame themselves. I mean, what are we going to have in the Belmont Stakes weekend this weekend? We're going to have a bunch of idiots playing, screaming and yelling that there's only five horses in the field, and then they're going to bet some ridiculous horse that has no flipping shot to win unless four of the horses fall down, and then the race would be called a no contest for that horse right. to finish in front. And yet then they complain after about the ride and about this and about that. You know, sometimes, yeah, most so- of the time. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was, was going to say that. that like, I wanted to complain about – bad rides. I had a couple of plays in Indiana the other day. And two horses bolted. You know? <laughs> I mean, it was just... But it, that, that is what it is, you know? I, it's just... For me, I try to do, do the work. Put in the work. Keep it simple. And don't be an idiot. But keep it simple, stupid with an idiot at the end. Yes. Yeah. And when you learn a lesson, learn the lesson. And if I find myself continuing continuing to make the same mistakes, then I need to have a little come to Jesus. 
And uh, you know, I got I, I want to ask you one thing though. You know, do you take that over to your clocking as well? I know you're not very. You know, I've asked sometimes. Let me go yeah, clock with you when absolutely. you do clock, and you just like, no. You just sit over there and let me let me do my own thing. I'm jamming to my own tune. Um, yes. What is it about? You're not a very fuzzy, warm, tingly person to, you know, you're a little bit like me. You can be a little prickly. Um, well, and I, one of the things I've learned about myself, and these are, you know, the things like don't be an idiot. If I'm tired, if I've got a lot going on, if I can't, when I do something like clocking or if I'm playing, I have to be 100% dialed in. I can't do it with a bunch of stuff going on around me. That's why a lot of times I do play little tracks at night because everything's quiet. You know, I don't have – so, like, when I'm – especially when I'm doing clocking, I'm just not someone who can multitask. So I can't be chit-chatting and, you know, I have to be – and that's just one of the things I know about myself. So, again, don't be an idiot. Don't I don't play if I'm not feeling well, if I'm not able to really sit and really focus. And, again, the same thing with clocking because stuff just gets jumbled in my head, and I just – a lot of people, you know. And, 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 and that's, a, that's a great point. That's a great point. Everybody has a degree of ADD in themselves. Everybody. Yes. Some people have a very high high – tolerance to external stimuli that causes yeah. a lack of focus and others don't. I know myself, right. you, you've seen me clock. I can handle three things at once. Absolutely. Um, uh, four or five and things. I, I will to absolutely, I will, because like when I'm clocking, um, I will hide, I will shimmy around buildings. I am like, because I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to talk to anyone. I I can attest to it. Can I give a story that was something that you did at Saratoga in 2015? We yeah. were clocking and you were handling the gates. And you were doing a great job. And I started chit-chatting with you why? because I didn't have any horses on the main. Right. You looked at me and said, one more word comes out of your mouth, I'm putting my hand around your neck. And I said, okay, you said, that's one word. And you came over and you put your hands around my neck, you know, so. No, and I find that like in the mornings, like people and I, you know, horse people, they love to be chatty in the morning. It's because they're having coffee. You know, like people go for training and like, it's kind of a social thing, Right. Oh, absolutely. Uh, they sit around and how many trainers you see with a yes. cup of coffee? I, I, I'm just starting to think that a cup of coffee in the hand for the trainer is required uh, accessories. Right. Well, and it is required for me, but I also don't want to talk to anybody. And I, I say that I with know my that. my heart. That's why I leave you alone. It's like, when's the last, I mean, I, we haven't clocked, you know, together in what, three, three years, four years? Because I just leave you alone. Right. I just leave you alone. I'm yeah. like, okay, you're going to go today. Okay, all right. Good luck. See you later. Bye. Hang up the phone. You know? Yeah. And, and, and one of the biggest things that I do is when 
you know, I, I get a hold of you in the morning to do, you know, find out what's going on. My first words are, are you caffeinated? How much does yes. caffeination come into the play for a handicapper? For me, for me, it is it is life. I've been, I, I was when I was little, my mom used to wake me up. She'd prop me up on a pillow and hand me a glass of chocolate milk, which I'd drink before I got out of bed. And that really kind of set a tone. <laughs> What's that like in the morning? Well, you moved up, didn't you? You moved up from chocolate yeah. milk. <laughs> but no, it's yeah. just, you know, we, people, it's, 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 you know, people get really frustrated. I mean, a lot of times it's your own, you know, we're getting in our own way. And there's just, there's so many variables in the game anyway, so many ways to get beat. You know, bad rides. We get beat by bad rides all the time. That's one thing. It, it happens. But, you know, you, I can take that. I can absolutely swallow that. What I can't swallow is when I cancel a $6 pick four ticket with two singles <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't want the flipping favorite on top. And um, uh, Hence, cost your myself. mantra for the day. Don't be an Hence idiot. Your mantra for the, don't be an idiot. Well, I'm going to I tell you that, that that's going to stick. All day long. <laughs> that, that's, that's my wisdom today. I, I, you know, I listen, there's handicappers who do that, who, who basically break that mantra every day. You can read them. Well, I, yeah. you know, well, and I do. But, you know, you know, I try to do it, and then I pull, try to pull it back in and learn the lesson. And, you know, it, it's a constant it is a constant personal sort of, like I said, a lot of this stuff is basic. We're not building rockets here. And I think a lot <laughs> of us spend a lot of time creating our own trouble. You know, that's, that's a good point. That's a great point, though. That's a great point. We're not building rockets. We're not, you know, rocket scientists. We're not dealing with, you know, with heavy calculations. Sometimes we make so much of something that it overshadows everything else. Um, and, you know, that's why a great I like, example. That's why I let me, let me throw like in. Town thing. Yeah. Let me give you an example. Yesterday's fourth race at Churchill was a two-year-old race, fourth or fifth race. I can't remember right now. But there was a horse that I had liked that basically tipped in as a yearling named Shoplifter. It wasn't named at the time. It was a super saver. That's being sold by Hiddenbrook. Loved it. Looked like a really fast-looking, uh, uh, projected two-year-old. But when we went and had did the vet work on him, he had all sorts of stuff, all issues. And, and basically, my vet said his main problem is his knees. He's got a lot of stuff going on in the knees that they just don't last. So yesterday, he debuted... Eddie Keneally, who did a great job with him. He got him to the races. Um, the horse had a big workout. We loved him. We put him on top. And the horse ran huge. Um, and and the horse just ran huge. And, and that's something that you can take. I didn't play the race because I wasn't sure how that horse was going to handle things. Mm-hmm. I did like the, the Dallas Stewart that came from the Valine Farms and ended up winning the race. But 
I, my gut feeling when I saw that horse as a yearling, I loved him, and he ended up showing yeah. it on the track. Sometimes the the external stimuli, in this case, what was in his knees, did not affect him first time out. Mm-hmm. Maybe down the road, but yeah. that's some of the things sometimes you got to deal with. But we're not building. You know, you like the horse or you don't. That's really the bottom line. Hey, Nicole, yeah, I really want to take. Uh, Go ahead, finish up. That's what I was saying with with like the Carl Anthony Towns thing. There are fundamentals, and you know if you you do your prep, you can. It's okay to get beat. It just don't be the one to do it. Get more from Bruno by going to racingwithbruno.com.